Chapters 18 and 19 of That Affair at Elizabeth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. That Affair at Elizabeth by Burton E. Stevenson. Chapter 18 A New Turn to the Puzzle. How we got her down, I scarcely know. I dimly remembered bringing a chair for Godfrey and holding up the body for a dreadful instant while he severed the cord about the neck but my first clear recollection is of her form upon a bed in the adjoining room, with Godfrey bending over her, and Lucy Kingdon standing by with such a face of anguish and despair, that for the first time since I had known her I found it in my heart to pity her. She had snatched up some dark garment and thrown it over her nightdress, and she stood looking down at the limp form on the bed, with its hideous staring face, as though struck to stone all but her lips they opened and shut drinking the air in gasps and from moment to moment she muttered to herself i should have known i should have known i should have known at last godfrey stood erect and turned to her and his face was very tender it's no use he said gently perhaps we'd better summon a physician but he can do nothing for a moment she did not seem to understand then she suddenly threw her black hair out of her eyes and fell on her knees beside the bed. She caught one dead hand to her and fondled it and kissed it, while a great wave of sobbing swept over her. "'I should have known,' she repeated. "'I should have known. It was my fault.' I shuddered. Was it her fault? Had she been false to Marcia Lawrence and her sister True? And was this the result of that treachery?' At last she controlled herself and stood erect, still quivering, but fairly calm, and some of her old proud disdainful spirit returned to her. "'This gentleman I know,' she said, with a little gesture in my direction, after looking at us a moment. "'You,' she added to Godfrey, "'I do not know.' "'My name is Godfrey,' he answered. "'I'm a friend of Mr. Lester's.' "'And what are you doing here?' "'Not until then did I think of our strange appearance.' shoeless, covered from head to foot with yellow clay, spotted here and there with the blood which had dripped from my wound, astonishing objects truly to burst in upon a woman in the middle of the night. Even Godfrey, ready in invention as was ever the wily Ulysses, found himself unable for the moment to explain. "'I suppose you were lurking about the house,' she went on, her face darkening with sudden anger. Mr. Lester, I know, has a fondness for doing that. No doubt you're also an amateur detective. But Godfrey had got back his self-possession. Something of the kind, he admitted good-humouredly. We heard you scream and rushed to your assistance. You were very kind, she sneered. Then her face changed. The door was locked, she said. I locked it when I came home. How did you get in? She glanced through the dining-room and saw that the door was still closed. "'It wasn't locked at the time we entered,' explained Godfrey coolly, "'but that was nearly an hour ago. "'We were not lurking about the house, Miss Kingdon, when we heard you scream. "'We were in the cellar.' He was watching her keenly, but she showed no sign of understanding. "'In the cellar,' she repeated, and scanned our soiled clothes. "'What were you doing there?' "'We were making some investigations,' answered Godfrey composedly. "'Your sister discovered us there and took a shot at my friend here,' and he pointed to my bleeding hand. 
Luckily her aim was bad. Didn't you hear the shot? No, she said, staring from one to the other of us, her anger and insolence quite gone. I heard no shot. I was asleep in the bed here. The door was closed. Why did she shoot at you? Did she take you for burglars? No, said Godfrey, I hardly think she took us for burglars. And yet you were burglars. She was justified in shooting. No doubt of that, Godfrey agreed. We took the chance and are not complaining. You had no business in the cellar. You have no business here. You're intruders. I don't wish you here. I insist that you leave. In a moment, said Godfrey. At once, she cried, flushing darkly again, or I'll compel you to, and she made a motion toward the pillow of the bed. Oh, no, you won't, Miss Kingdon, protested Godfrey easily. We won't consent to be shot at any more to-night. We have some business here, and we're going to stay till it's completed. Since you didn't hear the shot, will you kindly tell us what it was awakened you? Please believe that we shall be glad to be of service to you. I fear you're going to stand in need of us before long. She hesitated, still looking at him, but there was no resisting the stern kindness of his eyes, nor doubting that his warning was in earnest. I came home about half an hour ago, she began, or perhaps it's longer than that. Was your sister expecting you? No, I had intended to stay with Mrs. Lawrence all night, but I found I wasn't needed, and so came home. The side door was unlocked? Yes, and that surprised me for a moment. Was your sister here at the time? She was in the yard. She came in a moment later. Godfrey and I exchanged a glance, which Miss Kingdon intercepted. Wasn't she in the yard, she demanded? What is this mystery? "'We'll tell you in a moment,' said Godfrey, "'but please let us hear your story first. "'You had been, you say, at the Lawrence house?' "'Yes. Mrs. Lawrence has been very nervous since Marcia disappeared. "'I had been sitting with her until she went to sleep. "'I met Mr. Lester there earlier in the evening,' she added, "'and cast me a half-mocking glance. "'Yes, he told me,' said Godfrey. "'He's been having an exciting time to-night.' "'Were you with Mrs. Lawrence last night?' "'Yes, I spent the entire night with her.' "'Again we exchanged a glance. "'And you say that you expected to stay there again to-night?' "'Yes, but my sister hasn't been well for the past two days, "'so as soon as Mrs. Lawrence fell asleep "'and I found she wouldn't need me, I hurried home. "'I found Harriet very nervous and excited "'and finally persuaded her to take a soothing draught and go to bed.' I was so tired that I fell asleep almost at once, and I knew nothing more until I was awakened by what seemed to be a kind of drumming on the headboard. She stopped, shuddering. We too had heard that drumming. Yes, said Godfrey, your bed, I see, is backed against the closet partition, tight against it. It no doubt makes a kind of sounding board. I suppose that's it. I felt for Harriet and found she wasn't there. That startled me wide awake. Again I heard that drumming and sprang out of bed, lighted the lamp, and rushed to the closet to find that she had— The words ended in a sob, which she tried in vain to repress. Godfrey bent again over the figure on the bed. She used what is evidently a curtain cord, he said. Don't look at her, Miss Kingdon. The death is an easy one, whatever it may appear. 
"'But why did she do it?' demanded Lucy Kingdon. "'Why should she get up in the middle of the night like that and hang herself? "'What impulse was it?' "'She stopped suddenly, regarding us fixedly, her face livid, her eyes agleam. "'It was you!' she cried hoarsely, pointing an accusing finger. "'She heard you in the cellar. You frightened her. You drove her to it.' "'That's nonsense, Miss Kingdon,' broke in Godfrey sternly, and you know it. "'How could we drive her to suicide?' "'What was it, then?' she demanded. "'I've had enough of this mystery.' Godfrey looked at her keenly. "'You really don't know?' She shook her head, staring mutely up at him, fascinated by the purpose in his face. "'She was deeply devoted to Miss Lawrence, wasn't she?' "'Yes.' "'More devoted than you?' A sudden flush overspread Lucy Kingdon's face, giving place in a moment to deadly pallor. Perhaps, she admitted hoarsely, but that had nothing to do with it. That was no reason. No, assented Godfrey, not in itself, but it was at the bottom of it, for it led to something totally unforeseen. She shook herself together. You're speaking in riddles, she said. It's scarcely fair. Pardon me, said Godfrey instantly. I don't want to be unfair. Come with me, and I'll show you the cause of this act. Bring the lamp, Lester. Together we crossed the kitchen to the door which gave entrance to the cellar stairs. It seemed to me that Miss Kingdon shrank back a little as she saw where we were taking her, but it may have been only my fancy. Certainly she followed promptly enough when Godfrey started down. At the foot he paused. "'You've not been down here for some days, I take it, Miss Kingdon?' he asked. No, she answered, her eyes glancing from right to left. I very seldom come down here. Harriet always attended to the household affairs, but I see nothing wrong. Come this way, and he passed around the angle of the wall into the recess. Someone has been digging, she said, as her eyes fell upon the heap of dirt. Yes. What was this recess for, Miss Kingdon? We had intended placing a furnace here, she said, but after the house was finished we decided that a furnace wasn't needed. Who has been digging here? You? And her eyes again examined our earth-stained clothes. It was your sister dug the hole, and then filled it again, as you see. My sister? Yes, she worked at it last night and again tonight when she thought herself secure from interruption. But why? she asked in bewilderment because she had something to conceal. This hole is a grave, Miss Kingdon. See there. He flashed a ray from his electric torch full upon the leering face staring up at us. Lucy Kingdon gazed down at it for a moment with distended eyes. Then, with a deep sigh, she sank backward to the floor. End of chapter 18 Chapter 19 Under Suspicion we carried her up the stair and placed her on a couch in the room where her sister lay. She's only fainted, Godfrey said. Put some water on her face and chafe her hands. She'll soon come round. I must be off or I'll miss my scoop after all. All right, I agreed. I'll wait here. You'd better notify the police. I will, but I'll get my shoes first. And he hurried out into the yard while I got some cold water from the tap in the kitchen. "'Here are yours, too,' he said, coming back with both pairs. "'You'd better put them on.' He had his own laced in a moment. "'I'll send the first officer I see,' he promised, "'and get back as soon as I can. "'But don't wait for me. 
Get to bed as soon as you can. I heard his steps die away down the street and turned back into the room where the two women lay. I was nearly dead for lack of sleep, and found myself nodding more than once as I sat there by the couch bathing Lucy Kingdon's face. How Godfrey kept it up I could not understand, but sleep never seemed to have a place in any of his plans. But as moment after moment passed, and Lucy Kingdon showed no sign of returning consciousness, growing alarm awakened me thoroughly. I soused her head and face, and chafed her wrists, but with no perceptible effect. I could feel no pulse, could detect no respiration. Perhaps this was something more serious than a mere fainting spell. I should have told Godfrey to summon a physician." I was relieved at last to hear a step turn in at the gate, and a moment later a patrolman appeared at the door, a rotund and somnolent German, whose somnolency gave place to snorts of mingled terror and astonishment when he saw the two bodies. "'Mein Gott!' he ejaculated. Two of them!' "'No, only one as yet,' I corrected. "'But there may be two if something isn't done to save this one pretty quick.' and I bent again over Lucy Kingdon and chafed her hands. "'Has she fainted?' he asked. "'That or just naturally dropped dead,' I said. "'She's been like this for fifteen or twenty minutes.' He came to the bed, stooped down, and pressed back one of her eyelids. "'She ain't dead,' he said. "'She's just fainted. I know a trick.' And before I could interfere, he gave her ear a cruel tweak. "'Why, you scoundrel!' I began." but a sigh from the couch interrupted me. I turned to see Lucy Kingdon's dark eyes staring up at me. "'You see,' he said triumphantly, "'I never knowed it to fail.' She stirred slightly, drew one hand across her eyes, then, with a long sigh, turned over on her side. "'Come on out here,' I said in a low tone, "'and don't disturb her. Sleep's the best thing for her now, if she can get it. Besides, I've something to show you.' and picking up the lamp I led the way to the kitchen and closed the door. "'Something else to show me?' he repeated, staring about at the walls. "'Yes, come along,' and I started down the cellar stairs. He followed me, breathing heavily. As I glanced over my shoulder, I was amused to see that he had drawn his revolver. "'This way,' I said, and stepped into the recess. "'See there!' He turned livid as he gazed down into the grave, and his face and hands grew clammy. "'Mein Gott!' he breathed. "'Mein Gott!' And he returned his revolver to his pocket, took off his helmet, and wiped his forehead with a shaking hand. He said nothing more until we were back again in the kitchen. Then he looked at me with glassy eyes. "'But who's de murderer?' he demanded. "'Where's de guilty party?' "'I don't know,' I answered. "'That's for you to find out. "'As for me, I'm going to bed.' "'Wait a minute,' he said, detaining me as I started for the door. "'Who was that feller who told me to come here?' "'He was a reporter named Godfrey. "'He had nothing to do with it.' "'But somebody must be arrested for this,' "'and he looked at me in a way that was most suggestive. "'Well, you're not going to arrest me,' I retorted. "'What's that on your hand?' he asked, and caught my wrist and held it to the light. "'It's blood,' I said, "'but it's my own.' And then I was again suddenly conscious of my strange appearance, and realized how unaccountable my presence in this house must seem. 
"'Oh, well,' I said, "'there's no use to waste time arguing about it. "'I suppose you're right in holding me. "'Go call your chief. "'I'll explain things to him.' "'I can't leave you here,' he protested. "'The patrol box is at the corner.' "'All right, I'll go with you,' I agreed. "'I don't want to escape.' "'And I accompanied him to the box "'and waited while he called up headquarters "'and sent in a brief but highly coloured version of the tragedy.' Then we walked back to the house together. As we approached it, I was startled to see a shadow flit across the kitchen blind. She mustn't go down there again, I said, and flung open the door. Lucy Kingdon was standing with her hand on the knob of the door which led to the cellar. She started around at my entrance and stared at me, but I saw no light of recognition in her eyes. Don't go down there, I said gently. You'd better lie down again. She permitted me to lead her back to the couch without protest or resistance. "'Try to rest,' I said. "'There's nothing you can do. You must be strong for tomorrow.' She lay down as obediently as a child and closed her eyes. Her lips moved for a moment, but at last I was relieved to note by her regular breathing that she had apparently fallen asleep. I returned to the dining-room and closed the door between, so that the light and noise might not disturb her. "'Here they are!' cried the patrolman, who had stationed himself at the outer door, and I heard a wagon rattle up in front of the house. Then half a dozen policemen came pouring into the yard, headed by a man with grey hair and heavy black moustache, whom I saw to be the chief. He stopped for a moment to listen to the story the patrolman had to tell, then he turned sharply to me. "'Of course you'll have to explain your presence here,' he began. "'My name's Lester. If you doubt it, here's my card,' I said, cutting him short. "'Mr. Godfrey and I suspected something was wrong here. We looked into it and found much more than we bargained for. "'Who's Mr. Godfrey? The man who sent your patrolman here. How did you get so dirty?' "'Uncovering the dead man in the cellar.' "'And your hand seems to be wounded.' "'Yes, Harriet Kingdon shot me before she hanged herself. "'She discovered you in the cellar?' "'Yes.' "'He looked at me a moment longer without speaking. "'It's hardly probable,' I added, "'that if my friend and I had been guilty of any crime "'he'd have stopped to warn the police, "'and I'd have waited here for you to come and take me.' "'That's true,' he assented, "'but I don't quite see what your business was here.' "'My friend's a reporter on the New York record,' I explained. "'Oh, a reporter,' he repeated, instantly drawing the inference which I hoped he would. "'That explains it. "'But, of course, Mr. Lester, you as a lawyer know that you had no right to enter a house in that way. "'It was your duty to inform the police.' "'There are emergencies,' I protested, "'in which one must take affairs into one's own hands. "'I admit that, but whether this was one of them—' "'Doesn't it look as if it was?' I asked. "'Well, that's not for me to decide. "'I understand you're staying at the Sheridan?' "'Yes, at least I was staying there yesterday. "'I gave up my room not knowing that I'd need it again. "'I'm about dead for sleep.' "'He pondered for a moment, looking at my card. "'How do I know this is really your name?' he asked. "'You don't know it,' I retorted, growing suddenly impatient, "'but I'll have a dozen people down from New York to identify me, if you doubt it. "'Meanwhile, let me go to bed.' "'All right,' he said, pocketing the card with sudden decision. 
but it will have to be under guard. I don't want to place you under arrest, but at the same time I can't run the risk of letting you get away. You've no objection to the company of an officer? None whatever, if he'll only let me sleep. All right, but you'd better have that hand dressed before you turn in. We brought a doctor along on the off chance of needing him. Suppose you let him look at it. Thank you, I assented, and the doctor was summoned. It's not in the least serious, he assured me, after a moment's examination, and the wound was soon washed and bandaged. That feels better, I said, as he pressed the last strip of plaster into place. Now I'm ready for bed. Sherman, said the chief to one of his men, go with this gentleman. Don't let him out of your sight till you hear from me. Let him go to bed if he wants to, and don't disturb him, but if he tries to escape, stop him if you have to shoot him. I did my best to repress a smile, and succeeded in turning it into a yawn. After all, there was no need to offend these fellows unnecessarily, and the chief was undoubtedly right in thinking me not entirely clear of suspicion. So Sherman and I went down the street together in the grey light of dawn, the second consecutive one that I had witnessed, and we rather astonished the night clerk at the Sheridan by mounting together to the room which was assigned to me. My guardian sat down against the door, after assuring himself that escape by the window was impossible. As for me, I tumbled into bed as quickly as I could, and fell asleep as soon as my head touched the pillow. I was awakened by someone roughly shaking me. I protested, fought against it, but in vain. At last I opened my eyes and saw that my persecutor was Godfrey. "'Come, Lester,' he said, "'you've been sleeping ten hours. It's time you were turning out.' I sat up in bed and rubbed my eyes. Then suddenly I remembered. "'Where's my jailer?' I asked, looking at the empty chair by the door. "'Oh, I cleared all that up. I didn't realize at first how suspicious our actions might seem, and how hard it would be to explain them. "'It was lucky I didn't have to spend the night in jail,' I laughed. "'Are those my trousers?' "'Yes, I had them cleaned, and they needed it. "'I had a hard time getting my special off. "'The operator took me for a tramp, and no wonder. "'Were you in time?' "'Oh, yes, and a lovely scoop it was. "'The town's full of special men now trying to work up the story. "'And how are they succeeding?' "'They're winding themselves up in the worst tangle you ever saw. "'But you? I'm tangled, too.' "'That's one reason I woke you, Lester. I want to talk to you.' "'But surely,' I said, "'Lucy Kingdon can tell.' "'Lucy Kingdon is delirious, threatened with brain fever. "'The whole affair is a deeper mystery than ever.'" End of chapter 19